what kind of brag yeah <laughs> it's like it's not even a humble brag it's funny if you're like if you're if you're signing something and then someone comes up like oh my god did you draw this and they're like I, I, sorry i'm just a writer yeah, yeah like yeah. <laughs> totally. it's like funny in any other context it's just like kind of dickish Welcome. Thanks for tuning in again. It's been a busy week trying to play catch up from being out in California for the Nebula conference, making contacts with people who I met out there, doing research on agents, all the things that aren't writing, but things that need to happen to be a writer. There's more on that coming out later this week through my newsletter. So I'll go into depth about that whole experience, which was life-changing. Also, last week I mentioned that I had this massively annoying thing happen, and I don't really want to go into too much detail because I'd rather not give it a lot of uh, power or energy. But the downside of the whole thing is I've had to remove a 100 episodes of this podcast from YouTube and the audio channels, which has been really a bit of a heartbreaker two years of the show for the most part have now been uh, put in the bin, which is a real shame because there were moments that just cannot be duplicated. I wish I could share them. Two things stand out. One is some people's unbelievable capacity for selfishness and self-immolation, regardless of kindness and generosity around. And the other is the unbelievable support from this amazing roster of guests that I have spoken to for three years. For those of you who have been guests, thank you. If uh, your episode is no longer available, we will talk soon. For those of you who haven't heard the episodes, you're in for a treat because you're going to get to hear a whole new version. So I guess this is the silver lining. I'm going to do the thing that I'm terrible at doing, which is self-promotion. I mentioned the fact that there's a newsletter on Substack. Please, that's where this podcast is published. Go to Substack, look for J. Alex Morrissey. I think it's a handle, just like on Instagram and Twitter. I think at J. Alex Morrissey, all just one word. And that will take you to my page and then you can subscribe there and all the episodes will land in your inbox. If you don't want to listen um, that way, I totally get it. That's fine. And you want to listen old school on the Apple or uh, Spotify or Amazon, however you do, they'll be there. If you could subscribe there or leave a review on any of the um, on any of the podcast platforms that would be great as well i think that the reason we podcasters have to say this stuff is not i i don't do this for likes and money what i'm doing it for is to make sure that more people who are interested in uh creative endeavors like creating comic books or writing books have examples through conversation that they can listen to creators talk about what they go through, myself included, I learn a lot in the conversations and I play the 
uh, the role of the person who is trying to figure it out for everybody else. And I don't have it figured out, so I'm not playing that much. So the reason the subscriptions and likes and reviews are helpful is that the algorithms kick this out as suggestions to other people, and that will help more people, which is kind of the goal. So please do that if you would. This week's guest is Brendan Deneen, um, writer, publisher, bon vivant. We'll just call him that. The, the man seems to be doing a million things at once. And I feel that I have a very full plate, but boy, I am just sitting there with a Dixie cup full of jello comparatively. We had a great conversation. It's really a strong talk about um, writing books, writing comics, writing uh, branded materials. And it's a pretty cool conversation. I'm really, uh, I, I like having these talks with people who I've never really engaged with beyond the the social media sphere and then getting a chance to discover who they are and what they do through how they view their work in the world. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, this is me and Brendan Deneen. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I've done a million conventions and I'm not the guy who's like, hey, come here, come here, come here. I got, some, I got something to yeah. show you. It's like, oh. Well, I mean, like, I think you have to be to a point like at the beginning, like you got to be you got to hustle at the beginning to yeah. build some sort of audience any way you can. I don't know that I've ever done. I, I guess when I first started. Well, no, I guess the first one, didn't, no one knew. But the second one I did, I had Flash Gordon. So it, it's sort of Flash Gordon brought people to me. So I didn't have sure. to do that. So anyway, how you doing? So <laughs> you, so I was at, I went to uh, the Nebulas this weekend um, yeah. for SIFWA. And uh, I thought about you because there was a, um, there was a panel that I attended called Writing in Other People's Worlds. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's what, you know, first off, A, that's comic books. So I was like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I get that. Um, but like people like yourself who are like, hey, <laughs> we want you to, you know, write the story about this property, you know, which isn't writing a comic book, it's writing, you know, the novel. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And then I don't know if you know him, but he knows you. Um, the author Chris Farnsworth um was sure. like, he's like, oh hey. He's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to Brendan this week. So he was yeah. like, I mean, I don't know him personally. I think it's like one of those social media friendships. Mm -hmm. The best kind of friendship, right? I mean, it's like 90% of them these days. It's pretty amazing slash sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, the, I, but it, there is a, there is a comfortable, like there's a comfortable payoff when you do meet the people like in person. Yeah. Agreed. Like, like I was saying there and like Curtis Chen like walks up and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and he's like, Hey, you know, yeah, so you no, get this true. moment. Yeah. Which is this sort of like, okay, like neither one of us were like, you know, f faking whatever to each other in some sense. And it was a nice, it's nice. Right. Exchange. Yeah. You're sort of like starting a friendship with a, with a basis. And also you're, it's, I, I, I think about this all the time where I grew up in the eighties where I was one of the only comic book nerds in my high school. Mm -hmm. And the internet obviously didn't exist. So it, it felt like I was one of, you know, one of very few in the world, you know, yeah. um, who was into this stuff. And then now you're like, oh my God, there's like a million other me's Everybody. out there. But the, yeah. you couldn't find like Marvel. Sometimes would have like pen pal, you know, things in, the, in their letter pages. And like, you'd meet one mm -hmm. person. 
that way. Um, so I envy that aspect of people nowadays being able to find their people and not feel weird that they like this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and like you mentioned the, you know, the companies, I mean, think how much harder it is for them, you know, with so many more people like banging at the gates than there ever were. I'm I'm one of the people still banging. Like, uh, I, I, you know, I have trouble getting through a lot of these places and I'm, I'm a fairly accomplished writer at this point, but, uh, but like, I cannot get a lot, I can't get like a, a monthly Marvel book. I can't even get them to like, right. like, Hey, hello. Yeah. I write for Marvel. <laughs> <So> they're, <laughs> right. like, they're like, who are you? How did Different you get in? How did you, yeah. How did right. you get in the club? The bar, the, the door, the doorman was supposed to stop people like you, mm-hmm. but no, it's so, I mean, it's so true. And it's, you know, and it's, it's curious because, you know, here, here I am like hanging out with novelists who I like, I, I really admire and they're all like, oh my God, you're, you're, you work in comics. Like they're all excited about that. I'm like, I'm like a different world. Like, I mean, I, any of you who've tried to get in comic books in the last 20 years versus 30 years ago, is a very different game. So, um, yeah. you know, woe be it to the, you know, it, it is such a, such a you know, steeper hill to climb now. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the good, the good part of it is that the access to other people is, is increased, but like mm-hmm. you said, the number of people now who can submit and pitch, it's just grown and grown. So it's just, it's yeah. basically as hard as it ever was. I guess it's just, a, it's just the, the, you know, the scope is broader in that yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, more people with different backgrounds and various backgrounds are being heard. Mm-hmm. That. That's the, that's the great part. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it, there's just, you know, I, I think the mainstream ends up reflecting what's happening in the independent realm when it comes to the diversity of story. You know, mm. we're we're no longer just completely tied to fights and tights. We can now tell a little broader oh, totally. tale. Totally. Yeah, which yeah. I think is you know it's good. You know, I mean, because what do we 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 you know you grew up in the eighties. You know, in the eighties and the nineties, all all the reference was like, well, I mean, the comics in Europe are really advanced, or you know, manga they they have all these different subjects, and you know, it's like I think we're kind of get, we're we're right there now. Like, oh, it's, totally. uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what's so great about the indie comic market, which I am part of um, as a publisher. Um, it's just you can do we don't do we we hardly do any superhero stuff, maybe yeah, five percent if that. Uh, right, and then to 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 be able to find great horror and sci-fi and whatever, it's just that's 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 the fun stuff to me. Yeah, I wonder if it's a I wonder if it's a matter of you know like when we when other people you know when we all create our own superhero characters, which we all have done in one to one degree or another, they are somewhat derivative of something that was interesting and inspiring to us. Yeah, but when you when you step outside of that that sort of obvious, you know, connection dissipates pretty quick. So the stories tend to feel a lot more original when you walk away from somebody who's shooting beams from their eyes or whatever. Yeah. 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 And the more you do it, the the more you get your ideas. I mean, I think even for books, you know, um, a lot of times it's just um, you're drawing on it. And then when you get better and better at it, you're realizing you can do your own thing a bit more. Um, That's interesting though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's interesting. So let's. So okay, you grew up in the '80s. So you're uh, where'd you grow? Where did you grow up? 
I grew up outside of Hartford, Connecticut, in a town called oh, Windsor. Sweet. Okay. Windsor, yeah, Windsor. Um, mm-hmm. We have a, a, a battle going on with another town, but we feel that we are the first town in Connecticut. I believe it's Weathersfield or Glastonbury. They say they're the first, but we are the first. Okay. But we were like a fort, so they're like, that doesn't count. It's this whole Connecticut thing. Um, yeah. But whenever I tell people I'm from Connecticut, I have to quickly add that I'm not from the rich part. Because sometimes people are like, oh, and I'm like, no, oh, oh, no, no, oh. Right. You know, it was like it was like straight up Goonies, Stranger Things, bikes, D and D, you know, uh, dollar mm-hmm. movies. It was pretty freaking awesome. Well, I have I have nearly the same experience, but I did grow up in the rich area. But it wasn't the rich area <laughs> when I grew up there. So God. I grew up. I grew that doesn't up in count. Newtown. Yeah, I grew up in Newtown, Connecticut. So oh, right on. Um, yeah, so our movie theater was the town hall, and it was one dollar to go see the movie and I, it was the town hall of my whole entire, you know, existence in that place. So um, good. So good. And we played D and D at the, uh, at the church. They, oh. So on Wednesday, on Wednesday nights, they would let us um, have one of the rooms where they would make us do Sunday school. Um, and that's, we played D and D. I'm Wednesday surprised nights. they would allow it. I know it, it's so interesting. Cause it, cause that would, that was straight up, you know, 1984, 85. Yeah. That would be like 84, 85, maybe 83, 84, 85. And, um, that was sort of the height of that, you know, yeah. demon yeah. devil. Did worship. you, I just, I don't read a lot for, for pleasure, sadly, but I just read game wizards, which is the, the story oh. of the bit, the story of the business of D and D like Gary Gygax and the other guy whose name I just, uh, Ken Arneson. I believe okay. the two guys, the two guys who created D and D, and they like their fr- their friendship and partnership quickly frayed, yes. and then Gary Gygax became obviously the man, and Ken Arneson was like, no, 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 I created it, and but Gary mm. had all the power, I guess, and then he built this thing up with with another guy whose family got involved, um, and there are all these legal machinations over years, and it's like I didn't know any of this stuff, yeah, um, and it's I, I know that what's his name. Um, the guy from True Blood, the big dude, he's doing a documentary, I think, based on this book. Um, uh, oh, okay. I want to say Jason Momoa, but it's not him. It's the uh, Joe Mag. Mag- I want to mispronounce. Oh, his name. yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Mag- Magnello, Magnanello. Yeah, you're. I think you're really close. He's yeah. like a big D and D guy, and he's. I think. Oh, doing he's a documentary. huge. Um, yeah, and the book is. I mean, I have not enjoyed a pleasure read that much in a long time. It was. It's. If you're like, and also like I own a small business or co-own a small business. So like seeing a small business grow and grow and grow. It's, and then also mm-hmm. all the like sort of like turmoil behind the success. It's, it's a great read. It's, it's always, it's always an interesting challenge. I, um, so I, I, one of my, one of my friends and, and clients is, uh, Dwarven Forge, which makes all the expensive sort of tabletop stuff for D and D. So, nice. you know, terrain, which you can, you know, buy a house with. And like they did a documentary a couple of years ago on the guy who sort of started the company called the Dwarvenaut. And on, I think it's on Netflix still, but it's very interesting to see all the background stuff. And they're at Gen Con, you know, hanging out with Guy Gax's kids. And it's just, wow. you know, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting world. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I highly recommend yeah. this book, Game Wizards. Okay. Well, I wrote it down. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. So you grew up in the oldest town in Connecticut. Purportedly. Yeah. 
I'm going to give, I'm just giving it to you, man. It's like yeah, free, yeah, yeah. It's free. It's a free bonus. Yes. If it, if it's, if it's on the internet, if we say it, then it's real. I don't know. I, I just love the idea that these two towns are battling. It's like, there's gotta be some kind of movie where it gets. Oh, there's really, a total story there. It gets really dark between these two towns. Yeah. What oh, was it? Sure. Shelbyville? Shelbyville and the Simpsons? Yeah. Right. Shelbyville. Those bastards. Oh, <laughs> well, you, Man. so, I mean, you actually kind of grew up right, right south of, you know, the first Springfield I was aware of. I mean, probably you were aware of. So like, I'm, I'm sure you were like, is that the Springfield from the Simpsons? Right. Springfield mass. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right yep. the hell. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, were you like, I mean, like, were, were comics like the first big thing that kind of hit your head or were, was it books or was it cartoons? Yeah, it was comics. So I, I'm yeah. the youngest of four kids and mm. my oldest brother, who's fairly well known um, for, for other reasons, um, more, more um, political, sociopolitical. Um, he, you know, so he was eight, he's eight years older than me. And, mm-hmm. um, he, in the late seventies, he had, he was buying comics. Um, and so I was probably seven, seven years old. And so he would have been 15 ish. Um, so I was reading co- Marvel comics in the late seventies. Um, and I was like, what, this is amazing. As, as like a <laughs> seven year old, I was like, this is the greatest. It was like Marvel team up back then, the late seventies, yeah. And um, Iron Man, those great Bob Layton issues, um, mm-hmm. Spider Spider Man two hundred, Fantastic Four two hundred. These are like great storylines. Yeah. Um, and so those are like the first. And, and he also had the um, the Digest books of like Amazing Spider Man one through like thirty, like the, di- mm-hmm. the little the, these. I have them over here actually. I recently yeah. bought them all. Um, and so like I was reading Stanley, Steve Ditko, Spider Man, and all these late seventy Marvel titles and i was just like this is the greatest thing i've ever read or ever seen i mean i was young but i was like this is amazing and so when i was eight i started writing and drawing my own comic book called marvel man um which is obviously a lawsuit waiting to happen um yeah and actually i misspelled it originally it was m-a-r-v-l-e um and you could you're you're safe you're free and clear baby technically yeah yeah so i and the thing is like i wrote and drew like 20 issues of it over a, oh a couple of year period like and the thing is i am probably objectively the worst artist who has ever lived um you hear that but, tom king brendan says he's the worst i am terrible I'll, i will right yes i'm you know so tom king and i are equal equally good writers but okay i'm a big fan um <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible artist but i but i drew the i drew them and i wrote them and there's 20 of them and some of the stories are actually pretty good for a for an eight-year-old yeah. Um, and that's the sort of just when I knew I had the bug that I was like, I, I'm going to be doing this mm-hmm. forever. Like I'll just be making up yeah. these stories. Um, so that's the bug hit me hard. Um, and then I just was a writer. That's just sort of what I was, you know? Yeah. How did you, I mean, how did you frame that? Cause like, it's a very, it's an abstract kind of thing when you're young to consider that. I mean, it's not being a fireman or being a business guy, you know? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about it as a career really. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't know, like, I, you know, I have very like very realistic parents who were just like, that's, they were supportive, but they're like, that's not what someone does. Like, that's not, right. that's not what you go after. Like I really, I, I grew up as a writer and an actor. I started in all the school plays and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a famous actor um like definitely that's the thing that i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do and so i wanted to go to performing arts college and my parents were like no no why don't you get a degree 
in something sensible. And if you still want to act after that, you, you can go act. And so I don't think I even fought back, back, back that much. I think I was like, okay, that, that's, that's fine. So I got a degree to teach high school English, um, okay. which is what I got my degree in. And then I moved to New York and I started acting and writing. And I was just like, I never, I mean, other than my student teaching in Pennsylvania for one, you know, one semester in high school, um, I never taught, I never taught high school again. Um, yeah. so I got the degree like my parents wanted. Um, and I'm I glad I did, so. but, but it was just it, not pointless. Cause I ended up teaching college later, sure. mm-hmm. um, briefly for five years. Um, but it just was not, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who never use their degree. Yeah. Yeah. Or you, or it just, you, you just move on. Other things happen in life and right. you just go, right. I'm no, I'm no longer doing this because other doors open and new challenges present, present right. themselves. Right. I, I easily could have been an English major, but I, I had the, the concentration in education specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess teaching is still my my, my fallback at, at 51. Um, there you um, go. But but so, yeah, I mean, uh, but but I but I was writing. I was like, I heard, I'll never forget in fifth grade um, there was an assignment where there were voc- vocab words, and you had to use each one in a sentence and. Mm-hmm. I, every week, every week we had new ones and every week I would write a story using the vocab words. And it was about a kid who fell into video games because it was fifth grade. I was probably uh, 11. Right. Um, yeah. So it was like, that was like 83. So like a, a Atari, I don't know what was out at that point, but sure. Arc- ColecoVision was big. I, that's what I had. <laughs> that's, I love ColecoVision. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that. So every week I, I, I would write these stories and each week it would be, he, he jumped to a new video game. Mm-hmm. and Very i'll cool. never forget, i mean yeah it was just and no one else was in the class was doing this i don't even know why I right did. and i'll never forget this this it wasn't even my teacher it was a teacher aide, a teacher a teacher aide and she came up to me she's like this is incredible and she like really encouraged me and i don't know who she was and i went i i've been trying to like figure out who she is or was and mm-hmm. lost the time you know pre-internet right no idea who she was uh, but she like very and then and also my third grade teacher i want to say fourth grade teacher was super encouraging about my writing and then in high school i started um submitting ideas to marvel and dc sweet uh, yeah i just i mean again before email i would just write a letter be like hey I'm, right, yeah. I'm, I'm pitching this character and i would always pick like the obscure characters like yeah um timberwolf from the legion of superheroes or you know dude come on yeah of course yeah, the shroud from marvel Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like, they're never going to give me X Men, but if I, you know, I got fairly far with DC when I was nineteen. But but when I was fifteen, I was really reading a lot of comic books, and uh, I tell this story to everybody. Uh, I, I post about it. It's just it was huge for me. So I was reading every comic that basically came out, and one of, one of the ones that I was obsessed with was Grendel by Matt Wagner. I don't know if you're familiar, sure, man, dude. It's such a great book series, right? And obviously Mage, uh, but Grendel specifically spoke mm-hmm. to me um and so at the end of there was the original devil by the deed and then there was the first like ongoing or lo- longer series with christine spar the granddaughter of hunter rose mm-hmm. and at the end of issue 12 you know uh, i guess I, I guess i can spoil it's like 30 or 40 years old it's, she, i, she I think it's fine we're clear we're clear i'll i'll, yeah. I'll, I'll email matt and make sure yeah. it's okay she she dies and it's the end of the story arc and he's like in the letters page, he's like, I want you to send me your, what's your, like, what would you do with Grendel? Um, and I was like, oh, he's talking to me. Um, so I wrote a letter. <laughs> Brendan, right at the beginning. And for some reason, the that's what I read. That's Brendan. exactly how yeah. I read it. Yeah. Who, me? 
Um, and so I wrote Matt Wagner and it was like, you know, send it to me care of Comico or Comico, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote, I, was like, I gotta do it. So I wrote a letter, typed up a letter. Um, and I included a short story I had just written mm-hmm. and I sent it to Comico. Like I'm, I'm just going to pronounce it that way, even though it's wrong. Um, and you know, it was the old, it was an email. It was like, you put it in a mailbox and you wait right? possibly forever. And then like, I don't know, months later, weeks, months, I get a letter in the mail from Matt Wagner. Nice. Um, and it's my story sent back to me and I open it. I'm like, Oh my God, he just sent my story back to me. It's so, I'm so embarrassed. But then I flip <laughs> it over and there's a whole letter from him. Nice. And it was like, you know, uh, and also my, my, my pitch was that Anson, Christine Spar's son, who gets his blood sucked out of his throat by the Kabuki vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, my story was that he actually survived the kid and comes back mm-hmm. and he ate his, he, the Kabuki vampire eats one of his eyes. So my idea was like, he comes back as a one-eyed Grendel. So it's the mask, but it's only one of the, um, the two. Yeah. Things. And I even drew the mask with that for him, even though as nice. mentioned, I'm a t- visual aids help. They always help. And so he wrote back saying, Brendan, you know, he knew I was 15. He's like, yeah, Brendan, you're a really good writer, especially for such a, a young age. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said, wrote PS Anson is quite dead. <laughs> well, I like to think hearing this and this connection that somehow you touched Matt deeply at the time and he chose to almost name his son after you. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, that's, that's, it, that's my exactly takeaway. what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like t- in 2019, Matt and Brennan, um, who's, who's, you know, uh, who stole, almost stole my name. Um, mm-hmm. They were at New York Comic Con and I went up to him and I was like, I don't know if you remember me. He's like, I remember exactly who you are. Cause I'd sort of been in touch with him on and off. Cause I named my son yeah. almost after you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The son I wanted. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Brennan. Totally kidding. Um, and, uh, you know, we got a picture together and mm-hmm. I got, I actually, I, uh, where is it? Oh, I'll grab it. I bought, I, I don't, I don't buy original art cause it's just too expensive. But yeah. I bought, it's the like only piece of original art that I bought that I own. Oh, it's this cool. That's a cool, cool headshot of yeah. Grendel, yeah. of Grant, the original Grendel. Yeah, little Hunter Rose. Hunter Rose, it's beautiful. So like it was a, it was like, and I, you know, he knows. I, and I've, I've written an essay that was in a, an anthology about mm-hmm. that, that whole thing and where I was when I was fifteen. And uh, anyway, so that was that for me was like, if Matt Wagner tells me that I'm good. I think maybe I can do this. And so then I wrote my yeah. first novel when I was 18, like a whole, whole novel. And it was terrible. It was of just, course. it is all, but I did. I, I finished a book when I was eight, when I was a senior That's in high school. Huge. That's huge, man. Yeah. So regardless, we all know, listen, we all know first drafts are horrible. So it's, okay. I mean, first draft, second, it was just a bad book. It was, just, it was, it was, I was trying so hard to say something, you know, yeah. as we do when we're 18. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote, I wrote my second book when I was 21 and it was a little better, still not great. And then I wrote my third book, kid's book when I was like 22 and it was pretty good, honestly. Um, yeah. and then my next book took me 15 years to write cause I kept putting it down and mm-hmm. you know, I got my life going and that's the one that got published. That was my first novel that got published. Yeah. So anyway, that was a when did that, long when did answer. That get, to when and how old were you when that was published finally? I was in my 40, early 40s. So Okay, yeah. So, I mean, like, I think a thing that like we often face, you know, when we want to do the thing that we want to do is this, you know, we want it now. <laughs> we 
we want it now. We want it big, but like, it's that the journey is so much longer than because someone can come onto the scene, whether they're a writer or, or an artist or whatever you have. And if they, you know, if they get attention, people think like, where did this person come from? You know, why are they getting all the attention? So, you know, so easily. And like, you know, I want that. And I, and what we fail to realize, like, it's like, it's 10 years. It's always 10 years for these things. Like it's, it, it, even if it's not a matter of you banging your head against the door of the establishment, there's this time that it takes to say from like, this is what I want to do. And putting in the the hours, you can walk away from it, but you got to come back to it and you got to, you know, and you eventually get to that thing where you go, here I am. And that's like, I don't think, you know, I, I, it, all businesses take five years to get up and running if you do it right. Like there is no shortcut, you know? And I think, I think a creative thing takes 10 years. Like you really have to build something up to something. Yeah. I mean, my first comic got published when I was 34. Yeah. Uh, and that was huge, but it was a small publisher out of the UK. Uh, and it was my, it was my superhero. You mentioned, you know, it was my superhero book. It was, right. it was a ripoff of Batman um or or ragman or it was or the shroud mm-hmm. it was like the or moon knight it was sure hood mask <laughs> yeah uh you know cape um yes, and it was really like, super character yes yeah, i love i love that look um and it, that's what it was but it was really more about the, the cop it was more about the jim gordon type character mm-hmm. it was r-rated and i'm proud of it but it was you know it was definitely young and then and then, yeah, after that, and then I got to write Flash Gordon after that. That led to Flash Gordon, which was huge. That's so cool. A huge step. Huge. Um, were you, I, how old were you when the movie came out? You probably were little. Dude, I, so that came out in 1980. And right. I was eight years old when that came out. Okay. I, so I, I saw you were probably. Yep. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I remember seeing it in the theater. Yeah. And now and now I'm friends with Sam Jones and he and I are working on a Flash Gordon project. Crazy. That, that we're still figuring out. Um, cause I, I actually, I'm jumping around, but, but a few years ago, like right when the pandemic was, was ending, uh, right when conventions were starting to happen again, it was the first one out of the pandemic for me. So it must've been 20, 2021, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember when that we first started doing things again, but, um, I went to, he was going to be that in, in Wayne, New Jersey, which is relatively close to where I live. And so I went and I waited in line to meet him and I had a copy of my flash cord number one. Mm-hmm. And I wait, you know, I waited patiently and then I was like, Hey, and I pointed to my name. I'm like, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I wrote this comic and he's like, you're Brendan Deneen. And he, <laughs> he reaches down underneath this table and he pulls out his laptop and he's like, I'm missing issue three, issue five. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so he's like, he's like, tell me everything about yourself. And it's a line behind me. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, he's like, no, no, don't worry about them. Tell me everything. And so we, wow. we talked for like 10 minutes, got a photo. He gave me his email, cell phone number. And I was like, we should write Flash Gordon together. He's like, yeah, let's do that. So then that's, so that's sort of how that started. So he and I are, are developing talking to King features. And um, so we'll see. Anyway. Oh, I, that's, I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, first off, love the movie. Saw it, you know, my mom, my mom actually took me to the movies at, in the town hall to go see that one when it came out. And uh, it's, it's just, it's kind of one of those perfect you know, films in its yeah. own, like, can't be duplicated, can't be, you know, like, it is a, you know, a unicorn. Yeah. It really um, is. And I, and I think, like, I mean, Taiki Watiti, I think that's, that's how you pronounce his name. It's, allegedly, he's doing the next one. And, like, okay. I'm not a huge fan of the Thor movies because they're a little too tongue-in-cheek for me. Right. He did. 
Um, but for like for him to do Flash Gordon, if he does it in that style, like just full yeah. full on tongue in cheek or not tongue in cheek, but whatever, pulpy absurdist. Yeah, like I'm all in for that. You know, it didn't work mm-hmm. for me for Thor as a, as an old school fan, but like if he does that for Flash Gordon, I, I that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I mean, clearly Chris Hemsworth has a great comedic timing as an actor, which yeah, nobody knew about. Yeah. So I think I, I think that was like, we need to lean. They were like, we want to lean into this. And I think he wanted that. I think he's probably, he, the, he did the first two and he's probably like, this is boring. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, but it's like, hilarious. It's annoying that he's that good looking, that yeah. that good of an actor, right. that, that huge, that funny. It's yeah. like, dude, come on. A little, it's, a little it's obnoxious. Like, yeah. Right. Exactly. Come on. Come Can on. you, you know, tell me you can't ride a bicycle, please. Yeah, please. He like murders kittens, something something i mean nothing nothing to land you in jail i just want you to want you to be bad at one or two things no so yeah so flash gordon was huge and that so that to me was like that felt like the most like the first comic book series was if if that had been it i would have been very happy but then flash gordon felt like oh okay and they picked my version over um dynamite and i i didn't have a company i was just a writer and dynamite Mm -hmm. and i were both going after it at the same time and they picked mine and they have Alex Ross and they picked my take over theirs wow. at the time. So I was like, maybe, maybe I can actually do this like for real. So that was, that to me, that was 2008 when that, when that first issue came out. So what did you, I mean, what was your, I mean, you made it, you made a pitch. I mean, you, you had, did you make a, I mean, you were making a pitch. So like, where were you in, like, what were you doing in life at time? And how did you, how did you separate? Like, cause you know, I, I mean, I, I like to try to offer some public service in this, these things in the terms of like, you know, for the person listening, going, I want to do a thing, you know, like, yeah. but like, I, I have this job at Best Buy and I hate, I hate my life. You know, like you got to like, understand, like, we all have to work through the things we don't want to do just to get to the thing that we want to do. So yeah. where were you and what was your, you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe this answer. Um, but I was working for Harvey Weinstein at the time. <laughs> yeah so i i yeah so basically so all this stuff the things i've been telling you about in my writing career which mm-hmm. is one of my side things so my main career is i work in publishing in hollywood um for a living so but i didn't mean to again i moved to new york to be a writer and an actor and so i had no intention of of becoming a corporate person at all right um and I was, I was, and I was writing and directing, um, and acting in, in New York city in like plays and short films and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was temping and the temp agency called me one day and said, Hey, would you like to go have a job interview at a literary agency? Mm-hmm. And I did not want a job, but I was like, Oh, maybe I can get an agent if I go interview for this <laughs> job. Right. Of course. So I went and they didn't even tell me the company name. They just told me the address and it turned out to be the William Morris agency. Wow. Uh, so, and I didn't even get hired with the first person that I, I interviewed with. And I was older at that point I was 28 mm-hmm. going for an assistant job, but I impressed that guy so much. He hired somebody internally so that one of his two coworkers were looking for an assistant. He's like, you got to call this Brendan guy. And so they hired me and that was my first job in the industry at William Morris as an assistant, mm-hmm. 28 years old bringing this dude coffee and fresh fruit. And I was like, just like the walk of shame with the fresh fruit and the coffee, you know, past all the other assistants. Um, 
And I, and then I was there for a year. I was like, this is not for me. And I saw a job opening another job with no name of the company. Just, you know, I, I faxed my resume in. Mm-hmm. You couldn't send a PDF from William Morris at the time. Um, and I went for the interview, the next one interview, uh, and it was Scott Rudin production. Scott Rudin's notorious yeah, sure. producer was canceled recently for bad behavior. I didn't know that. I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, there's Scott. a big, I mean, everyone knew he was like this, but then finally an article came out and okay. he, he fi- finally got canceled, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I ended up working for Scott Rudin being one of his book to film executives, you know, reading, Mm-hmm. Not books that were published, books that were like on submission to publishers. Right. So, you, so yeah, this this is this is the the early the early catch. The book scouts. Yeah. So I yep. was one of Scott Rudin's book scouts. And yeah. I did that for two years, and he's. I wasn't his assistant, so I, I was never in the direct line of fire, and I wasn't the VP, so I, I was like very much shielded from him, and he liked yeah. me. Um, but it was a two. He only really yelled at me once, um, and it wasn't even that bad. So I was there for two years and then I kind of outgrew that because, again, I was older at that point than, than your average junior executive. And then my boss recommended me over to Bob and Harvey Weinstein. So I went to go work for them as a book scout slash mm-hmm. production executive for four years. I was there for the last two years of Miramax and the first two years of the Weinstein Company. And all four years okay. was also Dimension Films. So it was during this time that I, that I sold Scatterbrain, which was my first comic book, and that led to Flash Gordon. So when I was working on Flash Gordon, I was also – um, the direct, the director of development of production and development for Bob and Harvey Weinstein. So, okay. and I just had a kid and I just bought a house and I was just like, were you, in, wait, were you in LA? Or were you in New York? I've always been in New York. And yeah. okay. what I failed to mention is that when I published Flash Gordon, we self-published it. So we started a okay. publishing company, uh, which eventually became Scout Comics, which I'm the there CEO. You CEO the, the book Scout. Yes, I get it. That's not even why, but yes. I'm not, um, but I'm making it the reason why. Now. I love it. Yeah, that is exactly the reason why. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so, I, so that's that's a, like a very convoluted way of, of bringing all my worlds together. So I basically yeah. have the day job where I'm in publishing, like book publishing in Hollywood, my writing career, scout comics, the kids, you know, the bourbon. Sure. It's a lot going on. Well, so how how were you how were you slicing your day up to get these things accomplished? I mean, because the work work is that you know you're clocking in, clocking out, you know, in the office, but this other stuff is burning a hole in your pocket. So, like, where like were you getting up early? I mean, yes, you had a child, of course, you're getting up early, but yeah, I mean, um, I mean, my day job always comes first. Like, it just has to because that's that's yeah. what pays the mortgage. So, like, I have to drop everything for that. And so if there's a fire or there's like those emails get answered first, it's just always, mm-hmm. um, and those, those calls take precedence. So that's, that's the priority. Um, and then the scout comic stuff, it, I mean, originally it was, I mean, it started originally when it was art and entertainment, which was the first iteration of it. It was me and, and one other guy. And then he sort of had to back out. He, he got some personal stuff and then, um, and then I finally, I never liked that company name. And then we changed, I changed it to Scout. And then, mm-hmm. and I rebuilt it. And at first it was just me like fulfilling orders. And that was just like, this is the war. This is like, I don't know. This is impossible to do all this. And then I slowly built it up and have now brought on an unbelievable team, primarily mm-hmm. run by this guy, James Hake out of Fort Myers, Florida, who's the president of Scout. Um, and so like, I've gladly given up a certain percentage of ownership for all this help and 
right. so that that's sort of like a machine now. And I, and I do a lot of the big picture stuff for scout and then writing. I mean, I just like, I find time to do my, if I, if I have a novel under contract, I figure out how many words I need to write every day mm-hmm. to hit my due, due, due date. And then yeah. I just write, the, I write those words every day. And if it's whatever I can during the day, if I'm, if my daughter is at a drum lesson and I have time to kill, I just, mm-hmm. I'll write my hundred, 500 words then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy. And some days are harder than others, but also I don't knock on wood. I don't really get writer's block. And I, yeah. I find that, I find that plotting ahead of time is key to writing. Yeah. Um, and so you, if can, I know I mean, the you, plot, could, yeah. you could discover your, your way through it and that's cool, but there's a, there's a lot of fat to trim. You know, there's a lot of like sort of work you have to do after the fact be like oh you know i guess that that doesn't need to be here but if you do plot it out logically and i think there's this there's a fear this trepidation that a lot of writers have about well if i if i outline it then i'm I'm not going to be able to be creative you know there's this sense of like that they feel like hamstrung you know by this structure and i'm like i don't think it's really that because i think the second you sit down and start you know, pretending to be these characters, you automatically, you, you are sort of discovering your way to that next point, you know, that marker point in this, in the story. And you just keep going that way. Yeah. I, I'd say it's the opposite. I'd say it's easier to be creative when you have the structure because then you're not worried. No, no, I'm saying it. I'm agreeing the structure. No, I'm, I'm saying, saying I, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. I'd say it's the opposite okay. of what you're, you're saying. Some people say, um, right, right, yeah. I agree with you 100% if you have a structure it allows you not to even think about it so that you can get and you can color outside the lines and you can, mm-hmm. but like it's, it's, that's why I can write. I mean, I, I wrote, so I've written two novels, full novels for Marvel, um, Morbius and guardians of the galaxy. And each one I wrote in two months, which is while doing all this other stuff. Sure. And yeah. which is just insane to me that I, that I was able to do that. Um, but it was because I had very specific plots and I could just, Okay. I don't know how I'm getting, I know the next plot point and I just got to barrel through this and get there. And like you said, yep. later on, you get the first draft out and then you go back and then you fix, you fix. You yeah. So, okay. A couple of questions. First of all, what is, what's the word count for both of those books? Just so I get an idea. I, so I've written, well, I've written two novels for Titan and now I'm writing my third that I can't reveal yet. They're not letting me, which is, but it's a, my favorite, probably one of my favorite film franchises an original novel sitting there. So they, they keep adding 5,000. So the first one was 70. That was Morbius. Okay. Morbius was 70. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy was 75. And the one I'm writing now is 80. It's like, oh, geez, come on. Yeah. Go down on the word. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like they're, they're rewarding you by, you know, additional, you know, what is it? A five that's, you know, another yeah. 30 pages of the book. You know, they're like, here you go. You know, and you're like, cool. But yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um, kind of, it's- I mean, I'm writing one of my, like I said, I can't, I wish I could tell you, but it's like, they're, ah, not, no, letting it's, it's, they're not letting me, but I like, it's my, one. Of, it's my absolute favorite, like one of my absolute favorite sci-fi franchises. It's, I can't even believe it. And it started as yeah. fan fiction, which is the craziest thing. It comes back. Everything comes around. Right. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that's, I mean, but that's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, like, so I attended the nebulas, you know, this year and I, I, I'm like, I'm going to do a rewrite of, I'm just a, do a final polished pass on my book. So I had to figure out, this is the amount of time I have. I have to figure out what my daily work count has to be. And then you just make it happen. Like it's yeah. just fine. Okay. 
morning session. I got this amount done. Let's see if I get some in the afternoon. Cool dinner is over. I'm going to write for the next two hours and get it done. Like, and you just you find your points to the day to try to make this thing happen and just, you know, make it make it work. Yeah, and I, I don't do certain things that are probably t- very time consuming. Like I don't play video games. I don't game at yeah. all, and I don't yeah, watch a ton. Of, I don't watch a ton of TV. Like obviously, I if there's a new Star Wars show, new Marvel show, I, that, that's a priority. But like, mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't, I can't watch anything that's like 20 seasons long. I just, I can't. Even Green Arrow, I wrote Green Arrow, and I couldn't finish season one. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> that I can, I can watch 22 episodes. And that's just one season. I'm like, I just, I don't right, think of I anything, have, really of anything. Like I just don't think uh, I have the time. Like I, maybe when I retire no. and I'm sitting around, I'm like, Oh, I can finally watch green arrow. Like, right. And I love green arrow. Like, but like, sure. I just, I couldn't justify like that much. T- my, my wife is mad at me because I haven't finished the wire yet. I'm like, I got to finish the wire. <laughs> no, I, I, it's so true. And there's so much that like, like if you want to do the thing, you've got to give up things that are 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 less interesting, you know. Yep. And while all the stuff is great, if you're the one who wants to make the TV show or the movie, you can't spend your time watching TV shows and movies. You got to be taking the time to write the thing or whatever the thing. Is. Right, and then you start. Then, but then, then it's like everybody's mentioning X movie or X show. You're like, well, sure. this one I have to. Even if I don't, I got to make time because this is part of a cultural zeitgeist moment. Yep. Especially working my day job in Hollywood, where. I'll be on these calls with executives from whatever studio or streamer and certain like um, it follows that, that horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. It got, it got name dropped over and over and over and over again for like three years. And I was like, I, I should probably, and I saw a lot of horror. I should probably watch this. Cause even I, even I started, I hadn't even seen it. And even I was like, Oh, it's like, it follows. I'm like, I haven't even seen it. I'm like, I should probably. Right. So then I'm like, this is like appointment viewing. I have to, to do this now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the work aspect. Like, how do you how do you translate that into work, you know, work time? And like you were saying, you don't have time to do, you know, reading for fun. Like, it's like, so, yeah, like, and like, so how do you squeeze in like, okay, I'll I'll get an audio book of the book that I need to, I have to have this book in my head somehow. Okay, do the audio book. And then I'll listen to it when I'm driving or running or whatever the thing you do where you don't have to be thinking yeah yeah absolutely yeah um i do a little i mean i work for audiobook company blackstone um so i do the audiobook sometimes and i am constantly driving my kids around so that's been helpful um but like every year when i go away on summer vacation i'll just pack you know whatever for for a long time it was like harry potter or hunger games Mm -hmm. or whatever book i'm never going to make that into a movie so i can just read it and enjoy it right (laughs) it's already done so you're already done just just sit back and yeah, so I'm 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 the worst when it comes. To, I mean, people are like, oh, have you read this uh, this popular book? I'm like, I no, I've never read that. Dude, I I I embarrass myself in front of Joe Halderman on like Friday or Saturday. It was like I, I just blanked on his name, and I'm standing there talking to him and he and his wife, who had mistaken me for Ray Naylor. So I feel like I got away. It was an even exchange. Even, yeah. yeah. And I said, I'm like, oh, so what do you guys write? And she's like, oh, I don't write, but he's a grandmaster. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We, we can't know everything. No, 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 no. But they were, they were, they were hilarious and fun. So it's fun. Everything's good. But, uh, but you just can't, I mean, you just can't know, know it all and be on top of it. It's just. Yeah. I just, I've given up trying. I mean, again, I'm 51. I'm like, sort of, I just know my lane now and, and I'm not mm-hmm. like. 
a huge writer. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm successful as far as I'm concerned. I'm not, right. I don't ever see a world where I'm like a huge name, but like having a lot of fun with it. I feel really, really lucky. Honestly. Yeah. I think you would have fit really well in with that panel of writing in other worlds. I think that would have been. Yeah. And I do. I mean, even as an editor, I do a lot of that stuff. Like I did as an editor, I did eight walking dead novels, um, mm-hmm. with Kirkman and Jay Bun and Singer. Um, I did a psycho sequel, a Norman Bates psycho sequel, and I hired a, a writer for that. Um, so I love what, if I'm not the one to play in the world, I, I, I still like, I mean, I'm doing four Valiant novels as, as an editor right now um, mm-hmm. that I'm not writing any of them. So I like, even if I'm not going to be the guy writing the books, I like, I love playing in other worlds. Um, it's just, it's fun. I, I like creating my own stuff too, but sure. um, I try to strike that balance. I mean, I've got, two books under contract this so there'll be six novels by the end of 2025 i'll have had six novels published and three are originals and three will have been um that's a great balance i know it's really fun it's really fun yeah yeah no that's a great that's a really good balance yeah and mm, i mean the the getting that trying to find that balance is really important it's super tough um you know because i think a lot of people Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to write somebody else's stuff. I want to write my own stuff. And that's cool. You know, that's fine. But there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's far more opportunity to write somebody else's stuff, whether it is a comic book or a licensed novel. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there that needs to be published. Yeah, it's interesting. I I haven't told anybody this. So um, I almost turned down the Guardians of the Galaxy novel uh, when they really proposed it to me because I, I'm, I refuse to write novelizations. Like I'm just, I, I, I just mm-hmm. don't want to do it. And so what they wanted me to do was to novelize a, com- a Marvel storyline, a big epic Marvel storyline yeah. called Annihilation Conquest, which is not even like, it's not even Annihilation. It's the sequel to Annihilation Conquest. And so I was like, I'm, and I, I was almost like, I'm not, I don't want to novelize anything. I said, and then I realized, and then I, and I looked at, and I'd never read it and still haven't really read it. <laughs> but um, I looked at, I looked it up and I was like, this, this thing is huge. It's, it's, it took place over like, I don't know how many issues, 50 issues. Okay. And I, and I went back to them and I was like, if I can make my version of this, taking from that storyline, taking from the movie and, and like 25% the, or maybe 30% the original, 20% the movie and 50% my own stuff, I'll do it. And they were like, absolutely. So, okay. but I almost didn't do it. And I was like, I really had to weigh if I was willing to do it. Um, cause I, mm-hmm. I, I, I told myself very early in my writing career as such that it is that I would never do a novelization. Um, so why, why, why did you make that I, choice? I, because I just don't want to like regurgitate something that already exists. It just okay. feels like just not, not my thing. And, and novelizations mm-hmm. have be, like movies for the most part, aren't really novelized. It was a big thing in the eighties. Totally. When because we were growing up, like in the 70s and the 80s, a novelized film. Was because you didn't have VHS even. Like that was the only way yeah. to revisit. The movie left the theater and you just never saw it again. So it like, was gone. It was yeah. the only way to like, I read Empire Strikes Back novelization literally probably 50 times. When yeah. I, I have the original Star Wars novelization hardcover. Yeah. Oh, hardcover. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the hardcover. And I got that like in 19 like in 77 before the movie came out like what yeah. is like someone sent oh, it to me they're like here you go that's amazing i'm like what is it because it's copyright 76 and i'm just like right, what, right. You know, what yeah, is this yeah. and like 
and like it's like star, you know luke there's like luke star killer i'm like who yeah. is this you know like so and funny. Then, yeah last summer i just finally read um splinter of the mind's eye for the first yep. time yeah that uh, was interesting so yeah man like i almost didn't do it and then i was like and then i was like well they're actually letting me I only really read the outline, the, the synopsis of the original comic. So like, I didn't want to be too influenced. I just wanted to hit some of the plot points. So yeah. So like, I, it's like Morbius was my own, my own take on that story. You know? mm-hmm. And then the one I'm writing now is an original, which is crazy to me. Um, so like, yeah, I think if, if you love a franchise and they let you play in that sandbox, it's worth it. I, I would never want to only be other people's sandbox guy. Sure. But um, I've really tried to, it's sort of like movie stars. Like they'll do one big movie and then they'll do like the indie. The for me right? movie. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or like the stage play. And then they'll go do the the Marvel movie and make all the money. And then they'll go, you know, yeah. the Mark Ruffalo or whatever. Uh, yeah, did you see Hem- Hemsworth's stage play was fantastic. No, I, I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> right. Like of course. One, one man Hamlet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I can't, it was, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Ruffalo. Um, oh, come on. The brother and sister starts with his, they start. Oh, Jill and Hall. I was talking with a friend of mine and she's a, she's in New York and she's a, a theater, you know, con- constantly going to the theater. And she's like, I went to go see Jake Gyllenhaal in some show. This is like four or five years ago. And she's like, he has the voice of an angel. Like this is a, this is a 70 year old, you know, 70 year old woman. And I'm like, and I'm like that motherfucker, you know, it's just so pissed. I'm like, he's got it all. He does. He does. <laughs> um, yeah. What are they like? So th- as a curiosity to me, because like often, you know, like in, you know, with Marvel or DC, there's a lot of uh, sort of overriding editorial, you know, point of view that has to be kind of impressed into the monthly versions of the of the comics because we need to keep this big thing in mind when it comes to the um the licensed comics so like morbius let's use that for example like what after you get the phone call like what do they say this is what we want like are the, how much of this is what we want is coming across from them to you yeah so more i mean each one has been has been different so morbius so it's all been through Titan. They're all novels. Um, Morbius, they wanted to do it rush uh, for the movie, to get it out for the mm. movie. Ironically, the movie got delayed two years. So <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote it in two months for for no reason. Uh, but we, no one knew there was going to be a global pandemic. So right. um, I'll forgive them. Um, so that I one, mean, they, Morbius, they, Morbius would have known. Exactly. Um, so they let me pitch them. They said, do you want to write Morbius? I was like, hell yes. They said, okay, pitch us your, your concept. And they said, I said, and they sent me like every Morbius comic ever. They're like, pick, pick where you want it to take place. Right. And so I started reading Morbius um, comics and he was in um, this relatively obscure black and white Marvel magazine called Vampire Tales in the late seventies. After, after he he was fighting Spider-Man when he first appeared, then he was in this relatively obscure black and white, a little more R rated, like the Conan black and white magazine. Yeah. The magazine size stuff. It was cool. Those are cool. Yeah. 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 And so I read those and I was like, this is, this, this is the interesting thing to me, this, these storylines. And so there was one storyline where he, he's about to feed on this young woman 
And just as he's about to feed on her, she's attacked by these cult members. And like he saves her and and they become friends. And I was like, that's and then they, they hang out. They like go on this like road trip together. Um, and it was in the pages of Vampire Tales and just a really weird, not a, not a perfect series, you know, still 70s. It's so really like kind of wonky stuff. And she was very much a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like really, really mean to her, <laughs> really kind of verbally abusive. Um, but he doesn't eat her, which is nice. Um, but there's no like romantic relationship at all either, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was cool. And so there was a missing, so that their storyline, it was like issues four or five, and then it took it a month off and then seven with that storyline. And I was like, I want to write about these two characters. So I might, if you read my Morbius novel, this is super random, but it slots in between like issues five and seven of okay. vampire tales from like 1978. Um, Sweet. Ridiculous. But if you read yeah. the novel, you don't need to know any of it. It's totally stands alone. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, go ahead. Okay. And nice. so like, there's no, there's like literally not a single cell phone mentioned in the novel, but it could be now. Right. Right. It's like, Oh, he calls her, but is it a landline? Is it a cell phone? Yeah. So it takes place between those issues in the 1970s and I've written in a way that is completely, there's really no reference to anything modern at all, mm-hmm. but it could be now. So that's right. the way, that's the way that one happened. And then the guardians one, I, I was inspired by this classic comic book storyline from 2008, which actually also inspired the first guardians movie, but I was allowed to tell the story of how the guardians came together for the first time in my own version. Oh, cool. Which was, which was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing because like, you know, novels, a slightly larger chunk of, you know, words to take on than like, Hey, do a six issue run of said book where you're sort of like living in a, you know, a continuum of continuum here. Um, so to say like, Hey, I'm cause uh, listen, we know how hard it is to come up with a novel like that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, to do it on command, so to speak is a real, like it's a, it's a real heavy lift. Yeah. And I wrote it in two months and it was just like that one. I just went into like a fugue state on the train where I was just, I literally, I, I recently listened to the audiobook and it's the first time I read it since I wrote it. Yeah. And first off, the guy did an awesome job um, with it. And I, and I didn't remember like half of it. I was like, I was yeah. laughing. I'm like, this is, this is good. I don't remember writing any of this. There, there is, there are few, there are few things as gratifying as, going you know like like on a revision run and you're going through your book and you go like your mind goes oh you know what would be really cool if this happened and then it happens or the thing happens that you didn't even plan on like your head can't even like think of that next cool thing to happen also it's there on the page you go whoa 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 you know like it's it's almost you know you did it but it's almost like someone else snuck in and you know and, and you know did a nice little punch up on your own work yeah, I can't read my books after after the last pass, ever, like really ever. But yeah, the audiobooks because it's read by someone else who's doing voices and stuff. Yeah, that is proven, and I've only just started doing that now. Um, my, my sorry, my watch is talking to me. Um, that's the only way I can listen to them, and it's actually been a real pl- a surprising pleasure to. Oh, that's kind. Of, that's cool. I, I, I yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, like, I'm very much in the same camp of like, I don't want to see anything I've done. Like, I just. It goes away, let it go away. Yeah. But I, uh, 
Yeah, I get it. Because I, I remember people like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I don't even listen to my podcast. Like, I can't, like, I just can't move backwards on things. I have to just kind of. And also with a novel, trust. you know, it's not just writing it. And then you rewrite it after the first mm-hmm. draft. And then you get it back with notes. And so then, and sometimes they're like, like, they almost break you. The, like some of the yep. Morbius notes almost broke me. Cause you're like, Oh, it's, you hand it in. You're like, it's perfect. And then you get back and you're like, change right. this and this and this. And you're like, no, Oh my God, I can't right. get back in. And then you get the last set of notes. Like, cause it's never just one set. It's like, yeah. Oh God, great job incorporating all that. Now can you do these three more things? Sure. Right. By the time you turn in the, the final draft and then also you have to do a final copy of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You've read it. You've read it. You're not only have you written it a couple of times, but you've read it like five times in yep. a space of a couple months. And, yeah. and for me, by the time you hand in the final draft, you're like, I freaking hate this thing. <laughs> and the idea of even five years later reading, I'm like, I can't, I cannot, I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. But hearing well, I, it, I, hearing it felt completely different. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I mean, maybe because you're, you are sort of, the association isn't specifically directly you because there's somebody else in between. And they're also doing like in flat, like I write it with certain inflections in my mind. In like your head, every yeah. sentence has a certain cadence in my novels. And then this this dude comes along and reads it completely differently, and I'm like, God, it's so much better. Or like, yeah. there's one there's one scene in Morbius that I posted on Twitter recently that I completely forgot I wrote, where Morbius is talking about fighting Spider Man, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious. And I don't remember writing it. And the guy who did the voice, uh, the audio narration nailed it and it was hilarious and a full credit not credit for my writing yeah. full credit to this dude yeah. for his delivery for the it performance awesome. it was great yeah. so like if any author happens to be happens to listen to this and has an audiobook and has been holding off i highly recommend it yeah do yourself a, the the, the, the <laughs> it's pleasure like a, it's really a pleasure yeah. Yeah. i mean it's it's it sounds like it would be an absolute hoot yeah. um so it's i mean what, I mean, what is your, I mean, what's your, what's your day like? I mean, because you're clearly like maxed out with how, yes. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've ticked off three different sort of business ventures that you are, you know, engaged with children yep. um, and you're writing. So yep. like, you know, and, and you know, your significant other, you know, I mean, like, so yep. like, what's the, like, how do you, how do you structure the day to, I mean, is it, where do you get the sort of proactive side of it? Because there's a, it sounds to me, there'd be a lot of opportunity for reactive, you know, behavior. I, there's a lot of that. Um, I mean, I work from home now, you know, ever since the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, so that's helpful. The, the lack of a commute. So I used to commute into New York city. I would just, I mean, I yeah. did ride on the train, but that, that can just suck your soul out. Like just being on a train for that long. Cause it was a long, a long commute. Um, so that, that helps. Um, I, I write really fast. That's, you know, I'm lucky that I, mm-hmm. that I don't get blocked ever. I've never, again, knock on wood, but I've sure. never gotten blocked. So like writing to me, like I write eight, for this current novel, I'm writing 850 words a day, um, okay. which after Morbius was like 1500 a day, which was very difficult. Right. 850 is kind of like leisurely. Um, and mm-hmm. so like, and honestly, I can knock that out. I mean, if it takes me an hour, that's a lot. Like, it's just, I yeah. just don't, it's just like, you know, like, like I know exactly where the plot's going and I'm not trying right. to be artful and I can go back in later and put a little poetry in there, but I'm like just getting these characters and I know the plot. So I'm just getting them from point mm-hmm. A to point B. 
So that, that doesn't take a lot of time, but I wake up, man, I get my kids to school. And then, and then I, like I said earlier, I take care of my day job stuff first at Blackstone. It's, it's my priority. Um, and so I just take care of that stuff first and scout and scouts are very important. But again, because I'm, I'm the CEO, it's all bigger picture stuff. Yep. Um, and I can, you know, get help with, from all the different team members. Um, and then I just, you know, and then a lot of zooms, a lot of calls and, and then I write when I can during the day. It's never a set time. And I'll, sometimes I have a free hour and I'm like, I just don't feel it right now. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then I have to wait until, and then the, at the end of the day, I'm like, sometimes that pressure, you're like, oh shit, it's mm-hmm. 11. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. I go to bed every night at 11.50 on the dot and yeah. I have to write my 8.50 by 11.50. So like I put in my, I, my ear, ear pods, whatever they're called, AirPods, you know, put on whatever. Uh-huh. So I always listen to one soundtrack basically for every novel, mm-hmm. the same one soundtrack. Wow. Okay. And, and then I just go away for, for 45 minutes. But what's the, what's the soundtrack you're listening to now? Uh, Tron Legacy. Okay. Awesome. With Daft Punk. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an early riser, so I get up and do the things I need to do early. And then I did, and then I have my, my writing time and then I do client work in the afternoon. Um, it's just easier for me to get the writing done. Um, because I will not prioritize it once I open the door. No, I mean, I haven't done it yet today. So, um, yeah, but, but I got a little, I went, I did a little extra yesterday, so I've got only six fifty to do today. So, uh, so that's good. Um, yeah, man. Um, I, some days when I do it early, cause I have it on, I have, I have like a calendar for my family stuff. Like, you know, Oh, one daughter uh-huh. has practice, the other daughter has whatever. And so on, on the end of each day, I have my word count. So then the greatest part of my day, you know, other than my children, my wife is when I cross out my word count for that day. So like yeah, today, today's is not crossed out yet. So like the sooner I do it, the less stressed I am for the rest of the day. So. Yeah. Cause it does, it does remove a whole hell of a lot from the thing. Yes. So like, you know, like I, like I said, I went through the whole draft revision Now my book is huge. So it, it, we're, we're talking, you know, upwards of 175,000 words. Woo! So it's a big, okay. And I was starting off in the early stages. I'm like 4,000 words a day. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm not going to make it. So then I, I'm like, okay, my goal for the end of the, by the end of the week, get to 5,000 a day. And then I yep. get there next week. I'm like, I have to get to 6,000 of a day or a I do not day? make it a day. So oh I God. maxed I I would max out some days getting close to eight, you know, but it was an average at six to somewhere between wow. six and seven That's crazy. on a day. This is revising, you know, but it was a structural, you know, there was a lot of structural stuff I had to re- sort of incorporate, but it was really, really like hard. And I remember about a week and a half, two weeks out from the end, I just felt I like, I had exceeded my capacity. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've, I kind of broke myself. Like I know yeah. I have to do it and I will do it. But that where that was, I was getting that 5,000 by, you know, noon or one o'clock. I wasn't there. Like yeah. it was, it, it took, you know, it took, took me till going to bed at night. And that was mm-hmm. just, it was a lot. So, but I, it was great for me to do a frame of reference where I'm like, okay, cool. Like on my 80,000 word books, like two months is we're in and out. We're done. 
Like this is, this is doable. You know, you can draft easily do 1500 a day. You can draft that out and then you can, yeah. you can do the revisions and get that done in a couple of weeks, you know, boom, boom. And just, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's tough for me. Yeah, I think because I've got all these different hats, it's just yeah. very tough to go to 1500 was tough. It's tough. T- it's tough. It's tough. And you know, but it's like, it is that thing, like where you're saying, you know, doing it every day, if you do it every day, like doing 850, you can just do yeah. it. Yeah. Because there's but again, no I have to, like you said, I have to sort of like get it. I have to, I wish I could do it in the morning, but like, I, yeah. sometimes I do, but then, then, then it's the end of the day. You're like 850 feels like a lot of, all of a sudden. For you sure. Know, well, at 11 o'clock, it would feel like a hell of a lot. Yeah. 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 Then you just yeah, do because it. Oh, that was easy. Why did I, why did I do this to myself? Why did I stress about it? That was easy. Well, I mean, but that's the, I mean, that's the job of a creative mind is to like, you know, second guess yourself at all times to be like, you're not doing it enough, right. Or good. You know, it, know. it's just these, these stupid battles of that we have to wage, which it, it's funny because, you know, I don't, I don't struggle. I don't struggle with that, that writer's block thing as well, because iteration is sort of part of the job. Like, you know, to be a professional, you need to iterate. Like it's yeah. just, you need to generate, you need to iterate, you need to go. And, yeah. Uh, I feel like writer's block is probably often like second guessing what you're writing. It's like, don't even think about it. Just like no. worry about that next time. Like yep. on the rewrite. Yep. The, the, the first draft, you have to just honor it, it being terrible. Like you just have to go like, I got to get to the end. You got to get to the end because you can't fix what's not there. And 100%. that's, Yeah. So it's, it's a big, it's a big chase to the end. So then you can do that, that heavy lifting of going like, okay, wait a minute. I've missed this whole point here or whatever, but let's jump back a little bit here when you were talking about outlining. Mm. So structuring your work before you, you sit down and you start putting the pros on the page. What's that process like for you? And like, how long are you putting into it for, you know, the 80,000 word book? Yeah. So I, I do, I do it for my day job. I do, I write synopses basically. Cause I, mm-hmm. um, so I've been in, I've been an editor for professionally since 2010 or I, when I was at St. Martin's press, uh, when I got hired there as an editor. So fairly quickly, I, I co-opted the alloy entertainment model. I mean, they didn't start it, but they're probably the most famous for it, which is mm-hmm. an editor comes up with a concept and then hires an author to write the book. Um, but yep. the publishing company owns the IP because it's the editor's concept. So fairly early on into my run at Macmillan, I, I started doing the alloy entertainment model where I would create a concept, hire an author to write the book, um, and then publish it. And Macmillan would own the rights. And then I'd sell the movie rights uh, because we own the rights. And so I was writing synopses constantly. And so... Yeah. Those do not take me much time at all. I, I'm very, very fast at writing synopses. They're not perfect, but I can bang out a synopsis really, really fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, like, I think for the one I'm writing right now, the eighty thousand words, I want to say it was like five pages, you know, single spaced. Um, okay, it hits all the major plot points, and Act Three is usually like the the least specific because it's like, More and action. then there's a big, and then, and then there's a big war. Or, yeah, know, yeah. There's always a the, the the fight. You don't have to write a lot of detail. And the monsters attack. Um, yeah. So like, but then the setup is always like the like the act one is always the majority of the of the synopsis. It's like mm-hmm. you're introducing the setup. You're introducing all the characters. You're introducing you know the conflict, the the ticking clock, 
but but ironically, Act Two is the hardest one for me to write because I'm in Act Two for my novel right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like setup is easy and payoff is easy. It's sure. the middle part where you have to sort of get a lot of information out and a lot of revelations. It's the, yeah, it's the it's the character it's the character development and info dump. You know that that you know that Oreo filling part where you're oh, like, gosh. how do I make how do I make it? Because like, yeah, that's the thing. Like you you do your first draft and then you go back and you look at it. You're like. Well, okay, forty percent of this is just info dump. Like, how do I how do I highlight what's important, and where do I where can I sprinkle this throughout the whole thing so it doesn't feel like we're just you know, because it's like those movies or the books that you you know you read, but like they have this inevitable character who's just there to go. Well, wait, what does that mean? You know, and you're like Captain Exposition. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, 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 it's corporal exposition. Corporal. You know, it has, has no rank. Yeah. Just, just eventual fodder. What was it in uh, Austin, Austin Powers was Basil exposition. Basil, Basil exposition. <clears throat> there, um, and I'm, I'm finding in, in this book, even now, like act two that I'm writing, it's like, now the things that I sort of fudged are not making sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm having, and that, this is sort of why you can be more creative within a structure. And now I have to like do creative gymnastics to make the plot make sense. Because yeah. when I wrote the outline, I was like, oh, I'll figure it. This doesn't quite work, but it's fine now. I'm just trying to get the gig. Yeah. But now that I'm writing, I'm like, oh, shit, this makes no sense. Right. Because there's all, dude, it's, yeah, there's so many of those points where you're like, I didn't set this up, you know, like, and you're like, okay, now I got to hop back. I just wrote, I, I, I'll, I'll write it all caps. I'll just like go yeah. back and pepper this throughout. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. Like on my, on my, like I have my future, my future sort of ad list and I just put all that stuff in there and then I grab it when I sit down to do that revision and I just go, I put it all in order on my list. Like, okay, this is story order. And then I just go through the thing, cut and paste and just drop it highlighted, bold, you know, and then I just, I write to it. I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to do this. And then you just start plunking it in there. Yeah. And it's only, it's only like, half a sentence of stuff you need to put into something, but it makes all the difference. Yeah, it's the key. Yep. A hundred percent. So yeah, it's act twos, man. Act twos are killing. Yeah. Those are worse. Well, the act two, act two sucks for, for that because it's, it's labor and then sticking the landing for the end is tough because you have to like get all those things converging in a, in a sort of a harmonious point, you know, you know, you're, you're kind of walking the mortar fire into the target. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. Act three is uh, act one and act three. I'm, I'm usually like easy squeezy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really like, I mean, I'm, I'm in it now. I'm like about 6,000, 7,000 words away from ending act two. I'm just like, gotta get there. Gotta just get gotta there. get through it. Just yeah. gotta get through it. And then, then act three will be a breeze. Then, yeah, I mean, like all the shit hits a fan at the end of Act Two. It's like it's like classic end of Act Two where your character's lowest point, or like, right. and then it's just fun. Like, how do, they got to get out of this, and it's just like, yeah, that's dig fun. out the ticking clock is that's good. Yeah, so um, the digging out is good. Yeah, digging out is good, but digging digging in or digging across that's where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, no one's no one wants to dig the trench. Yeah, yeah, but I'll be out of it in a week. And if you ask me yeah. in one week, I'll be ah, oh, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm Act Three is yeah. Along. Yeah, everything's cooking and I'm having fun and things are blowing up. This yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get that. So what's so like? Are you? I mean, do you have like a vision of like 
in your novel writing world, like, you know, outside of the, the licensed, you know, works that you're doing, like, do you like have a sort of a plan of future books or you're going to go, okay, cool. Like I'm going to work, I'm working to do this series or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so my fifth novel, which is the one I'm writing now. So, so mm-hmm. my novels are the ninth circle was my first book. Then the chrysalis, those are both originals. Then I did Morbius. And then I did guardians of the galaxy. Now I'm doing the un- untitled freaking amazing mm-hmm. franchise. And then I've already sold my sixth novel, which I only have written, um, about 80 pages of so far, but I sold it on a partial. Uh, so that's called Tracer. That's a kind of a Mad Max type story, female lead, um, heavy love story in it. Um, okay. But she's a badass. And post-apocalyptic automobile romance. It's basically, it's set in the future where uh, it's post-apocalyptic um, and gasoline has run out. And humanity has largely been decimated. Um, but there is a technology that turns plastic back into oil. Oh, cool. So plastic is the new gold. Because if you have plastic, you can turn it into oil that can power your machinery. Sweet. So all the cities in this new world are built above landmine, uh, landfills. That landfills. So it's like landfill cities. And so this woman, young woman in her early 20s, lives in one of these landfill cities, works for the president of one of the landfill cities, is basically the 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 badass, the mercenary working for this bad person. And mm-hmm. she gets sent on this mission to another landfill city. And she thinks her mission is one thing, but it turns out it's another thing. Um, it's so always it's, another it's, thing. It's another thing. She ends up falling in love um, with this guy. And it's and she's she's never had feelings for anyone in her life she's always just been kind of a mercenary um she's on a mission falling in love is not part of the mission um so it's really violent this book she's a total (laughs) badass there's the woman that was in the the hbo show the post-apocalypse she was in terminator the new terminator movie i can't think of her name she's tall blonde short blonde hair okay um she was on the latest term she'd like be perfect for it so that that's my next novel that's under contract after this one um, and then after that, um, I mean, I've got a lot of ideas. I just actually came up with a middle grade idea, um, cool. that I would love to write. Um, it seems I'm to be cool. popping off the middle grade right now. Like I, so many people are working on the middle grade series. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote a middle grade green arrow graphic novel for DC. That's right. Well, I yep. love that space. Um, I'm right. I'm co-writing a young adult novel based on an idea that I had actually based on my teenage years, sort of another romance, um, so like I, I, people, you know, people often used to tell me like, oh, you sort of have to pick one genre, what one age range and you have to write that thing. Right. And I was like, I don't really believe in that. And I, I don't, not, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, I think I, so it, it actually reminded me of a question I thought of earlier. Um, so one thing I, I agree with you, I think that there is this, uh, this sort of old, you know, point of view of like, oh, well, you have to pick a genre. But I think really, if you have an agent who is excited about what you're doing, they're going to, they're going to hustle for, they're going to, if, you know, if you have, if you work with an agent, like they'll sell what they love at from your work versus going, well, I don't do middle grade. You know, like, they might well, not though. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a former yeah. literary agent and they might say yeah. to you, well, Barnes and Noble, you're successful in fantasy and Barnes and Noble is not going to want to see a romance from you or whatever it is like. Right. 
the agents or editors may, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm an editor at a publishing company and I've had my bosses say, well, their track record's great, but that's in X genre and you're, you're pitching a Y sure. genre. Um, but I just am like, I don't care. And I feel like I've kind of hurt my own career because I, my first two novels were, were basically horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I, 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 I know a lot of horror authors who only do horror and I feel like yeah. in the horror space, there's a huge community and a very close community. And I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm very close with these people and I, I know a lot of them, but because I'm not all in on horror, I'm not really one of them. Right. Um, and I think if you do pick one genre and really go all in on it, the chances of becoming big in that genre, I'm not saying to the larger world, but being right. a big author is probably more likely. I, I'm not big in any genre. Yeah. Um, I jump around, but I don't care <laughs> because I'm not doing this to be big in any I'm just doing this because I have these stories. I'm, do I want to make a lot of money? Yeah, sure. Sure. Famous, of course. famous man. I don't know about that. But like, <laughs> but I also like, I have a career, I have a day job and now yeah. I get to write stories and whatever story I want. So um, I'm just going to jump around and I'd like to actually, I would like to write one thing in every genre before I stop. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's interesting. Cause I mean, do you get the conversation with, you know, brought up like, you know, of, you know, a pen name, like, well, you know, why don't, you know? Yes. Um, someone asked yeah. me that recently. Um, I think maybe it was guardians. It was one of the, one of the books. And I said, no, it's a deal breaker. And I said, thank you. I thank you so much for the offer. I said, that mm-hmm. I, will write, I will never write under a pen name. Um, okay. And then, and they're like, okay, well then never mind. You can put your name on it. And like, not that I'm too good for a pen name or, and no, no, no. I just, I just don't want to, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's ego or pride, but like I wrote this thing. I've been busting yeah. my ass since the eighties to, to get myself like out there. And I want my name on there. I just, I just do. It, it's all speculative fiction. So it's not like you're, 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 you know, it's not like you're turning around and writing, you know, literary romance or, you know, I would write that too. I would, I'd be proudly put my name on any, I mean, yeah. I have ideas for all kinds. I mean, I have a romance YA book I, that I'm co-writing. I brought on a, 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 an amazing female author to write the female's point of view in the book. Mm-hmm. It's a straight up teen romance. I'm like, I yeah. love that. That's a great genre. I mean, the only thing I probably wouldn't write is like erotica. Like that's probably the only one. If someone's like, here's a million dollars to write an erotica. I'm like, all right, time for that pen name. There you go. Okay. So now we've, now we know what the definition would be for you. Okay. That's the only one. And even then I might go, well, some of that, some of that writing is really good. Put my name back on there. Right. That is quality porn. It's a, it's a million dollar, it's a million dollar line. That's fine. Okay. And no one's going to call No one's going to call you, you know, a bad, bad word for that. (laughs) And cause that's a natural, that's a normal advance, I think. Right. I mean, that's usually a a million dollars for an advance. I think that's pretty much your debut. Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cool. So, um, I guess maybe we'll just kind of tie it up here, but, uh, what's, uh, Yeah, man. What like what do people uh, where people find you? What do they can they look out for you? I mean, you're pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah, Twitter is pretty easy to find me. Um, I'm on the Facebook. Um, and I have an author page. Finally got back on Instagram when I thought Twitter was gonna die. Um, <laughs> and you're like pumping um, up. You're pumping up the life raft. You're like, well, let me just- I didn't know where to jump. Everybody's like, go to this, and I go to like this one that's place is terrible and they're like no no this is the one and you go there you're like, and that one crashes <laughs> yeah so like i mean 
I like Twitter. I finally kind of figured it out. Yeah. I'm not a fan of sort of some of it right now. Um, yeah, I'm going to stay there because I kind of like the way it works. Um, but yeah, so I've got one comic book series that's that's m- monthly-ish right now called The Bones of the Gods. It's not selling particularly well, which is a bummer um, because I'm really, really proud of it. And it's my, speaking of wanting to hit every genre, it's my first fantasy thing. And look, original comic books are hard to, to sell. It's super tough. It's super tough, man. Like any, listen, anything original is hard to sell. Um, you know, we, we are, you know, that's why we have, oh, it's like this because we're just trying to get people to say, so why don't you, what's the comp, what's the comp titles for, for, for the series? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like Lord of the Rings, but like, and the matrix it's all the best yeah, things Lord ever. of the rings it's it's uh the fellowship of the ring meets two towers now um <laughs> um it i mean it's it's look it's a classic sword and sorcery comic book series uh-huh. um the cool the cool hook here the bones of the gods is that for centuries for millennia these two gods uh that no one knew if they actually existed or not the, the two religions would murder each other for thousands of years Mm -hmm. because of these religions that neither actually knew if their gods existed. This is my commentary on on religion, to be honest. Um, And then one day during a battle, the gods show up and they decide, okay, we're going to finally have our battle. So they finally have their battle. Um, It basically destroys a lot of the earth and they end up killing each other simultaneously and their bones fall, crash to the earth, submerged under the earth from the impact. And Mm -hmm. then Humanity slowly gets back on its well, whoever's left. Humanity slowly right. gets back on its feet, rebuilds 20 years later. And the lead character is this 16 year old girl. Her dad was one of the warriors from the opening scene who was there that day when the gods revealed themselves. And if you find a bone of the god, it's full of power. Yeah. And so everybody's on the hunt for them. They're, they're very, very difficult to find. Um, and of course, our lead, the 16 year old girl, she's working on her farm. Clink, you know. She finds a bone and shit goes very bad for her from there. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That sounds, so I, I, See, that so sounds great. Yeah. I'm really yeah. proud of it. Uh, the release, the release, release schedule has been a little uneven um, as it is for comics. And again, just in, in the comic book industry, which I know a lot about. Um, I'm, I mean, I am the publisher of the, the comic at Scout. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to break out original material yeah. in, in the comic marketplace. It's super tough. I mean, this is why a lot of effort energy is put into either trying to get the the highest letter grade talent you can to put on this stuff to get that audience to come. Yep. And that's why we have variant covers. I mean, the, the whole thing is to try to get that that eye and the attention while it, it is just it's hard to it's hard to make a clear ring, you know, amongst the the, the din. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I. Once again, it's sort of like I wanted. I, I love this story. I wrote it. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out. It, it's going to be what it's going to be. Eventually, it'll be collected. I'll put it on the bookshelf. Right. Um, and 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 you know, look, I happen to have connections in Hollywood, and perhaps someday Who it'll knows? go there. And you never know. Sure. So like, I'm I'm going to write it, and then I got my fantasy genre. Okay, check tick. Yeah. Um, you know, but trying to hit all of them. So that's that's what I'm writing right now. Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out three months later than it was supposed to my novel which is enraging but that's yeah timing's tough from that one but so it's supposed to come out in april i'll hold off on seeing the movie until the book comes out (laughs) yeah 
don't do that. It's a good movie. Um, so it was supposed to come out on April 18th. Now it's coming out on July 11th, which is okay. killer. It's painful. It's out in yeah. the UK. Um, and then I'll be announcing my next novel, the licensed one, which is crazy. I can't believe I'm writing it. And that'll, that announcement should be soon-ish. I'll tell you about it offline. That's cool. So what, wait, what issue are you up to with the Bones of the Gods? Bones of the Gods number four comes out next Wednesday. So a week from okay. Sweet. Okay. So, and it's a six issue series. That would be what, May 24th or 5th or whatever that is. Yeah, May 24th. There you go. <laughs> um, well, this is an absolute pleasure. Um, you, I'm glad, I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Yes. Um, uh, it's always fun to get into uh, writing talk and, you yeah. know, get a little bit nerdy in there. Um, but it's okay. So I don't know, it's, okay. I mean, in the eighties, it wasn't as cool as it is now. So it's awesome. I'm super pumped. And yeah, I'll take a look at the uh, series. I'll probably wait for the collected edition just because, uh, I have the hardest time keeping up with anything in that respect. Um, and super excited that your guardians books coming out. That's, uh, yes, me too. Big. Me too. Very proud of it. Right on. All right. Well, until next time. Thank you oh, so wait, much. I have to figure out how to get out of this. There you go. <laughs>